listening to the Bush Podcast with me, Graham Starmer, and today I'm going to be uh, I'm not sure how this podcast is going to go. I'm excited to see what happens, but he's uh, such an anonymity and uh, and uh, it's going to be an interesting 30 minutes, that's for sure. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I've got some questions, but let's face it, it's probably not going to get... Um, probably going to go way off with that. So we'll see where this goes. We'll have a little bit of fun. And um, yeah, let's let's go for it. So I'm joined by these men. Hi, Benjamin. How are you? Yes, blood. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. I said in my intro, I've got some questions, but I'm sure we'll probably get to none of them. And we'll just... Uh, just be silly. How are you, man? It's been a long time. A it long, has. Long time. It has, man. It has. How are you? I, I, I heard you had some children. Oh, I've got so many children, man. I heard I've got you. Three children, which is, I think, enough. Yes. So, so thank you for coming on my podcast. <laughs> nice, nice to be here. Sorry, I was about to just stare into the distance to think about the galaxy. <laughs> so, the aim of this podcast is to uh, help the next generation. All right. Uh, so, I'm going to try and get some some wise knowledge out of you from your multiple years of experience don't make the mistakes i made don't end up in my position get a proper job <laughs> but i, I feel cool don't do drugs <laughs> <laughs> um and we're just trying to chat about what you've been up to and where, where how, how you got there oh i see you've got a load of new kit i hear yeah. you built. i hear you built some new toys yeah i'm always it seems um trying to achieve the same goal and um, I like to be able to iterate as I innovate, like as I create, as I... Um, what is the big goal? You know, it's like, huh? What is the big goal? The big goal. The big goal for me is um, to work around my flaws as a musician and, you know, to work around my ADD because I don't know if I can cure myself of ADD. I'm not into the idea of Adderall necessarily. So I'd, I'd rather just kind of paint within the lines, if you know what I mean. So I think basically I, I have a short attention span, which is not, that doesn't make me special. But, um, you know, I lo- if, you, if you've ever seen one of my shows or whatever, you'll know that I love to skip between ideas quickly and I find that entertaining and funny and audiences get a kick out of it because it's more kind of schizoid and, um, you know, ADD than, than most music shows that you'll see. So I find that I have to build, you know, music tech systems that allow me to do that because I came from a beatboxing background like i was beatboxing since i was like three yeah and i remember my first i saw i saw you at and it was when we booked you at turnmills and that was like obviously 2000 it was it was just after you'd won the the first beatbox championship so it was right. 2006 time a long time ago and you played yeah. in that and back there was room. yeah and you played in that back in our back room and it was just mm. you and a stage and i think we had one one loop head on jesus was that the last time you could ever smoke in a club yeah, that's that was. what that booking was. I remember. Jesus, that, that was. was that was. It was. Nah. That was. It was that. Do you know when that was? Then that was the end of July, end end of July, mm. June or July, and that was the last time you could smoke in a club. And you were yes, that was right. Two thousand seven, I think. 
Yes, that would have been it. Because you'd won the yeah. Big Box Championship 2006 and you probably just won it in 2007 then. Yeah. Wherever it was. And that's right. And we booked you for them. Yeah. And um, yeah, tore it up. Lots of fun. And everyone, and was, holding jumped, their, everyone was holding their cigarettes in the air. Yeah. It was some sort of, you know, victory lap. Sweat, 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 sweaty room. It was a sweaty, a sweaty room. And you just jumped around different genres for, mm. I can't remember how, probably an hour, I guess. Yeah. It was pretty silly. But like, yeah, that's crazy that that was the last time you could ever smoke indoors in the UK. Yeah. That, last, that was the last night. And um, after that, every club smelled revolting because, you know, the tobacco smoke just kind of mildewing off the walls is a horrible smell. And also, think, without the tobacco there, you could smell everyone's armpits and urine. And yeah, I think, I think it's a nicer place now. I think we're through that period now. I think people would actually make themselves smell nicer now that they, mm. and it lasts longer. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's there's fewer clubs though. I can't believe we actually did a night to celebrate the last day, you could, the last time you could smoke. That, that, that I don't think that's what the night was. It was. It actually was. It was together, and it was to celebrate the last time you could smoke. We actually put on a night. <laughs> it actually. Was. I'm probably going to die at the age of like 50 because of you, because of that do, book. Do, do you know we? Do you know we? We also did one on 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 the on the day before Mother's Day, and we made everyone dress as their mum. <laughs> Do you know, so I, I, we basically, and we, do you know, we had Lethal Bizzle play, yeah. So we, we, and me, me and me and the promoter, we, we went up to meet Lethal Bizzle dressed as our mums, <laughs> and he arrived. <laughs> Just me and me and me and me and this guy dressed as like, like dressed as literally in, in, in drag, basically meeting me and Lethal Bizzle. Keeping it classy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fucking a. Yeah, that's that. That was clubbing these days back then. Man, there's there's just fewer clubs now. It's so weird. It's so weird that like that that's happened. I never thought that would happen. But I suppose maybe all things have a kind of you know ebb and flow. There's still what percentage of clubs are there now that there were in like 2007? Because I think it's like a third of what it was or less. Yeah, I think there's like 40 percent less or something. That's crazy. Yeah, there's bigger venues now, I guess. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I suppose it was like, it's where they are. I suppose. Yeah, you know, lots of they, get, they got noise complaints and yeah, know, city values went and up. Flat, and flats built on top of them, and then they yeah, got, yeah. and then they were they got they closed the clubs down because they weren't put into their contracts. And yeah, mm. I suppose it's just a different landscape now, and well, people can people can put on a mix wherever they are. Yeah, yeah. You can have a sesh wherever. You can have a sesh in your shed. Uh, we have a shed in our shed. Uh, we have we, in our garden. I have a shed. It's called Shed Fifty Four. It even has a Studio Fifty Four <laughs> logo. And um, and basically, we moved into our house and we and we made a disco shed. Of course. And um, so basically, we have it's it's got a massive fancy dress box in it. Uh, <laughs> I'll send you the video afterwards. It's incredible. We're, we're thinking, man. I love it. Have you got a disco ball in there? Yeah, from Ten Mills. We've got Ten Mills disco ball in there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, late and late and lasers and um, and <laughs> and we just end up having parties in our shed in fancy dress and like inflate. We've got we've got loads of Elro inflatables in there, and um, our shed's going to be doing it's going to some festivals next year because I pitched it to some festivals. <laughs> Amazing the disco shed. I actually went to something like that in fucking where was it Glastonbury. Um, it was called the smallest party in the world or something. Yeah, smallest club in the world. Yeah, yeah that's right. On the outside, Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. It was amazing. It had proper like bouncers on the outside telling you to like 
stand properly and shit. And then you went inside and there's literally enough space for like three people and there's a DJ and everything. That's right. Brilliant. <laughs> so we have one of those in our garden. We have a disco shed. It's quite funny. <laughs> Wicked. There, there should be more disco sheds. Everyone should, by law, if you want planning to build anything, even a greenhouse, you should have to have a disco ball in it. We we um disco we're, actually, we're actually thinking about taking our disco shed and changing the genre next year oh, yeah. uh, and moving it on. Rave shed. Yeah, rave shed. So uh, shed Tasia. I like it. Or the dream shed. Right. Right, right, right. Getting early hardcore kind of busy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a trance shed, shed crusher. Nah, don't do that, man. Shed crusher. <laughs> have a gabba shed. You need a what brand can I give? Give it. I, like, I do like I do like a bit of gabba. Army of hardcore shed. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Rotterdam <Yeah>. terror shed. <laughs> I used to when I. <laughs> when, I, when I was younger, we used to have, we I used to have, I used to have you know the cassette you remember the old cassettes I used to have, I used to have one that's called uh, what's it called Terradromes. yeah man and that was like a thousand BPM horrific <laughs> it's kind of fucking have you ever tried a thousand BPM God see if you can do it that's, that's it. it that's a thousand BPM it's horrible it's barely music yeah it's kind of like a, like a tractor engine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um. So yeah, so you were saying you you've advanced your you're advancing your technology. Um let's try and yeah. keep some uh, keep some normality to this podcast. It, um <laughs> Yeah, well no, it, um oh, can I be asked to give you the whole story? No. Yeah, go on. I can make some tunes. Do you want some tunes? Uh yeah. well. Or you, you you want to keep it tune free. You want to keep this I, I, verbal I, only. I I let's no, strictly no music. Let's, don't don't no. you dare make any music. Don't don't you make any music. You can't. Don't you make any music. You can't. You make any music. You can't. You make any music. You can't. music <laughs> yeah no so i just like being able to do that that's really cool <laughs> how, t- t- so how um talk me through the tech let's talk through the tech what have you uh you've i've seen how techy do you want it two yeah, ipads you got two you got two you got two ipads two giant ipads or three four giant iPads. IPads. four ipads four ipads one uh boss rc505 one yep. innovation launchpad pro an M Audio 61 key keyboard and an RME Fireface UCX sound card and a MacBook Pro. And that's it. It's cables. And the um your iPads are run off your own system that you've built. Well, so yeah, well for years <clears throat> I was building my own system from scratch in a coding language called C, which a lot of things are written in. Yeah. About as deep as you can go with code before you get to a language that only the machines can speak. Um, 
which is a mad thing to do. <clears throat> and the project was long and arduous. And um, I was at several times throughout this multi-year project thinking maybe I'm going to make a software company to sell this. <laughs> and then I was like, is that my place in the world? And it could have been. Like, if I'd have really wanted to do it, I would have like got the funding, hired the staff, started a, a you know, computer mm. tech company. But I was like, I don't know if... I don't know if producing software is necessarily my calling. I think maybe I should just stick to being a musician for the time being. So I kind of thought, okay, rather than, you know, approaching it this way, I think I'll approach it differently. And rather than be a sunk cost fallacist, which is to say you want to throw time, resources, and money at a project just because you already have, I mm. thought, no, there's a better approach. I need to be able to iterate quicker. And by that right. I mean, if you make... If you're designing a system, you need to be able to make something, break it, um, make it fail, and then learn from those mistakes to build it better. But the way I was doing it with, you know, coders working for me and building stuff to my exact spec, mm. my exact spec had to be very specific from the outset. And a better way to work for me, and I think generally, if you're making something, is you need to be able to prototype and iterate. So that's what I... So that's why I ended up dismantling that system and building a new one completely from scratch in <clears throat> in Ableton Live with bits of Max for Live and lots of third party plugins and stuff. I don't know how nerdy I can go. You can go as nerdy as you like. That sounds can cool. I? Yeah, that's cool. Because I think that's about as nerdy as I should go for now. But that's okay. basically if you want to ask nerdier questions, I'll answer them. But okay. I could very easily talk in ones and zeros. <laughs> 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 Because yeah, um, I remember the last time I spoke to you, you were literally <laughs> going to that process. You were literally building yeah. the, that, that, that system. Um, yeah. Have you found it easier being it's kind of this, I guess, mash of systems now? Um, yeah. So what I have now is, is iteratable. So right. every day that I'm practicing on it and making stuff with it, I'm also tweaking it and adding things and taking bits away and refining it and, that's great because it costs nothing to do. Yes. And um, it's just, you know, if you're, if you want to make your own live system, you can go back to the drawing board, which is what I did do, but you don't, <laughs> there are, there are features that I had in my old rig, which the, the one I built from scratch that I will never get back really, because they're just things that Ableton can't do, wasn't built for. Right. And if I wanted to get deep into Max for Live, which if you don't know, is this kind of deep um, programming environment for, um, for sound processing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a visual thing. You connect boxes and it's like you make this sort of giant signal flow thing and you can make it as complex as you like and you can even code for it if you want. It's really deep. But um, I've never bothered trying to learn it. Um, if I'd have gone down that route, if I do go down that route, there's, it's possible that I can get back some of the deeper looping features which I had in that. But I kind of find increasingly that I went too far down the um, down a particular road, which I think was that when you get to the state that I did where I'd built my own drum machine. So I had a drum machine that I designed, had coded for me and I was using it live. And it was amazing. But it was too amazing. So the point was, was that so I would go and like put some beats in. Like mm. I'd go so now I've still got that where I can be like. I, you know, 
I hate this. <laughs> so it's like it's it's about expectation and what people come yeah. to a show for. You know, it's about the vibe that they're after and the specific thing that they're there to see. You mm. know, it's interesting. I find Which, I find it fascinating. Uh, do you, you obviously you have sort of three parts to your show. There's the there's the you making the sound. There's the computer doing the tech, and there's also the you the sh- having to be the showman as well, which is the and kind of presenting yourself as a show, isn't it? I guess. Well, it's interesting. There's, I was talking to Dub FX the other day, and um, I didn't realize because I haven't seen him in ages. But he he's doing a thing now where he's moving away a little bit from the looping that that got him, you know, well known. Mm-hmm. And um, he does a thing where he'll come out and just play a vinyl and sing over it, and he's testing people's expectations you know so that just means you know the music has to stand up like yeah. i was really proud of myself the first time that i ever did a show without any beatboxing in it just on the mic because i kind of had felt for a long time that this i mean we're talking this 10 years ago but like i had felt up until that point that i was a one trick pony that beatboxing great as it is mm-hmm was the only string to my bow in the eyes of the people that had come to see me. And I was like, I, there's more stuff that I'm doing and that I'm capable of and that I want to do and all this kind of stuff. So I just wanted to flex my artistic muscles, you know. What did you do? Um, the first time I ever did it was like, uh, I, I just had like a one chaos pad, I think, and a, and a little pedal looper, Digitech looper. But um, yeah, it was, what was it? Glade? God knows. I can't even remember. But it was, um, yeah, I just remember like having this like solid set list and going absolutely mental and just ending on really hardcore shit and um, everyone going absolutely bananas and they wouldn't let me leave the stage. And I was like, and I didn't do any beatbox. So for me, it's, that's always been a thing. It's like how far from the beatbox paradigm can I get right? and still smash it? Like, because I suppose... To me, there's always something. There's always something uncomfortable about novelty, because I think, and I've heard this from other beatboxers and other loopers, is that they seek to escape any vestige of novelty to prove to prove that they're a real musician. You know, but like, <laughs> but often, you know, that hero's journey will often end with the realization that you had the powers all along. Like, actually beatboxing is an incredible means of musical communication and people crave that rawness which is this is something that i've been realizing recently so the other day so i'm doing this uk tour at the moment how's it going Uh, i've just done the one date so far it was in leeds and we sold it out and i smashed it so i'm happy um but um i missed you i I saw you're in northampton and i missed you in northampton and i could have come over and hung out and i didn't realize but i northampton I apparently well, I saw on your I saw on your I saw on your your thing from your team. <laughs> was I in Northampton? When was I in Northampton? Apparently in the summer. Was I? I don't know. I probably wasn't. Uh, elus- <laughs> oh, elusive festival. You played there in September. Oh yeah, right. That's where that was. Yeah. So I just got in a car, went on the motorway, and ended up there. Oh yeah, okay. Sick. I knew it was in a field. <laughs> 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 oh, amazing. Yeah. Sorry, I lost you, gone. <laughs> What was I saying? Something about beatboxing. Fuck yes. Me. How are you? And, uh, <laughs> see? I was getting really deep and wanky. 
I know it's really good. Fuck. It, it was a cool. deep wank. A really deep, sludgy. How did so? Tell me about this. How, how did your first date go? The first tour date go? Oh yeah, yeah. First tour date was great. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, I ended up like I opened the show with beatboxing for like maybe like five or ten minutes or something, which I don't normally do because I was just like, yeah, like I don't know. I've reached all these realizations recently where I'm like, I could build a machine that would do everything for me. And all I would need to do is press play and sit back and beatbox one beat into it. Mm. And then it would make a fucking symphony out of that one beat. But why? You know, Where's the fun in that though? Well, exactly. So maybe, maybe with, this I, new, with this new rig, I've reintroduced the, the need to beatbox everything and to improvise everything with my old rig i had this massive synthesizer rig that i had constructed over the course of about two years which was this it was it ran on a laptop yeah. i made my own like workstation synth beast out of um loads of instances of massive and piano tech and all these other soft synths and it, but it was nuts and it could sound like anything it could do orchestral stuff and um dubstep and neurostep and fucking god everything um, oh, cool. and i was proud of the fact <clears throat> that i'd done it and i was able to i did this show in theaters where it was kind of i think of it as now as quite corny but it was fun at the time i really liked i love the challenge of it where i was making a, a new album every night yeah i'm never gonna do that again um because it was really hard and um i'm kind of done with the idea now because I, mm -hmm. I just wanted to see if you could and i did and i'm like oh fine but like <laughs> uh I made a fuckload of music. I made so much music. I made like, because at the time I was doing the music for a Netflix show as well. Um, so that was loads of different kinds of music. Because each show in this Netflix series was a different character actor who wanted to find a vehicle for all their characters. Right. But it was shitloads of music, like orchestral stuff and like, you know, pastiches of like Bruce Springsteen songs and jazz and fucking whatever. Um, so I was doing that in the car on the way to these shows in theaters where i was making an album every night and then in the dressing room before in the intermission and after the shows and in the car on the way back desperately trying to make music on my laptop for a tv show and then making a new album every night i fucking just burnt me out fuck yeah it was nuts <laughs> i've never made so much music in my life and there were all these like assignments in it where it's like we need packabell's canon but we need it like transcribed exactly to fit this exact time signature did you get burnout then um, it was pretty mental, put it that way. And um, what else was happening at the same time? There was something mad, like I was like buying a house or having a child or something nuts. It was just, it was just a lot. I was going to say, was that was that was that pre-children? It was like as as my child was being born or something like that. I oh god, remember. I can't quite remember. That's a stressful time. So I think it was. It was a stressful yeah, it was, time. It, it was too much. It was insane. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that's why I'm burnt out from that idea. But I did it all over the world. I did like I played in Hong Kong. I did it. I toured the UK with it. I did, um, I did it in all kinds of weird places, like comedy festivals and in festivals and people were sending in song titles for me to make songs out of. Because it was all audience suggestion based. Yeah. And I had this whole like comedy shtick that I was doing with it as well. So I managed to make it like halfway between like a, like a comedy set. Did you enjoy and, that? And rave. The comedy yeah. set, the comedy stuff. Yeah. But again, it's like, I sort of, Gave it a go doing the most stand-up-like thing that I could 
do, mm. but I kind of came out of it feeling like I don't want to do that either. And it's more just being a, a dickhead on stage <laughs> is the way. It's because there's something there's something more animalistic about music that comedy can't quite get to necessar- necessarily. Like, you know, there's something kind of shamanistic and performative about music that comedy with its cerebral nature struggles to to ever quite equal. And not not that there's like a linear scale of like a high it's not that there's a hierarchy of of the arts. Mm. They all have their place. They all do different things. They all yes. give you different routes to different realizations and emotions and you know methods of catharsis. But God, this sounds wanky, doesn't it? But honestly, I I like <laughs> I feel like you can take elements of like if I'm doing a show now um having done all that stuff like put myself through like you know stand-up training basically is what i kind of felt like i did yeah i was doing the edinburgh festival every year you know i was like i think um i was like i think i'll push myself as far as i can go to see how far i can push myself because i never had any like dreams of being a stand-up or anything but i was like i'm gonna see how far i can push it and i was you know researching the books that were written by the guy who who designed the games they played in whose line is it anyway I was doing <laughs> okay. like improv courses and stuff like that i was obsessed with the art of improvisation and the sort of the shamanic aspects of it um because mm. if you look at people like reggie watts is he a comedian is that comedy it's funny but there's mm. no jokes per se so like I think if you push things too far in an established direction, you end up getting less interesting results. Right. If you just do you. And like, so like I was just saying, if you do, if in the shows I'm doing now, sometimes I'll, I'll stop in the middle of a song to say whatever the fuck it is that's on my mind, not with the intention of it being like a hilarious joke, but just because I know that um, whatever it happens to be, it's absurd enough that, I can say it and then carry on because it's what I feel like doing. And it's inherently funny that I've done it regardless of whether it was, it was because it's not, you know, it's not like a joke with a setup and a punchline. Yeah. Shit like that. Or if you like stop a song too early, that's funny. If you make a song carry on too long, that's funny. If you, if you make a song, if you're like improvising a piece of music and you make it go too crazy or get too big, that's funny. If you yeah. keep it really minimal, that's funny. Like it's, but if you want to make a piece of music that's like absolutely spot on and perfect, then that's just wicked. That's really cool. And from there, you can you can turn it into a fucking rave, into a, mm. or you can turn it into a big funk jam, and then you can piss about and pretend you're fucking Bootsy Collins or whatever, and you can make it that kind of party. And then you can pull up and make it jungle because fucking everyone's got these schizoid music tastes these days. Yeah, because music is. A tap that you can turn on and off. So, <laughs> so that's that's what it is. I can't yeah, remember I, I, what the I, question I, I, was. I, 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 I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't remember either. I think we were talking about your talk, but it's all good. I said at the start. Basically, the I am David Bowie. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can I swear on this? Because I have been. Uh, no, <laughs> we have to. We have to read it all from the start. Shit. <laughs> 
That's probably for the best. This is vodka. Cheers. Cheers. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess when you go too mental, it must, that is, that is obviously quite funny. But you must go, shit, I went too far, I went too far that time. Yeah, but that's cool. It's funny, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I just like being a dickhead on stage. Because most times in life, you don't get to be a complete dickhead. Like, you can't just be a dickhead in the post office or, like, on the phones in the DVLA or, mm. like, <laughs> just any, anywhere. You well, just, you can, but it doesn't go without very well. Well, exactly, but, like, I've somehow managed to like work it so that now like people come to see me being a dickhead <laughs> specifically, which is weird. Cause like I'm telling my kids, like don't do that, you know, all the time, you know, they'll be like putting paint everywhere or like shoving something in their eye. And I'm like, don't be a dickhead. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> I literally go on stage and like speak in tongues and fucking make unnecessary jungle and gabba and fucking hardcore techno as a wind up and fucking yeah i'm not setting a good example for anyone my my, my favorite show, my, <laughs> my my favorite genre name i've ever seen was was clowncore clowncore was dope man clowncore was like breakcore but with weird carousel music thrown in yeah oh i thought i thought i was gonna give the intro then to make some clowncore there was a guy joe cox who was really good in the clowncore genre that shit was like yeah that was around 2007 2008 yeah, that was in the MySpace days. Clowncore was. was big in the game. It was kind of like it was a it was a split off from Breakcore, which itself was absurd. Which was like, you know, brain dance, but but kind of comedy brain dance. In the in the middle of the blogging era, we were, me and a couple of guys in the office wanted to make a new genre called Flatline, which is basically like which is basically like um, uh, punk, but an electronic version of punk. That is a thing, is it? Yeah. No, we we we, we sort of, no, we made it up, but we just we were gonna make up we we're gonna make up all the artists around it and then put some put some music on this on blocks and make up a genre and then see if it would fly along. I swear that's a thing though, man. Like that ended up being like there's fucking like, isn't eighties matchbox beeline disaster exactly that? I don't know. Fucking Atari Teenage Riot. I don't know, is it? I think Atari Teenage Riot is about as close as yeah, there's a bunch and fucking you could say that Prodigy was Flatline, basically. Is that, yeah, it was flatline. Yeah, no, no, no me and um, <laughs> Clumsy Tongue, the uh, the rapper, um, we made up a genre. We haven't made any yet, but it exists in theory. It's called UK Plunge, and it consists only of the sound of people in this great nation, on this great nation's council estates, having needless fights, um, and the sound of politicians in the hallowed halls of Westminster having needless, needless <laughs> arguments uh, and amen breaks and um, and the build is uh, it's not like a rise like a it's actually the sound of like a toilet being plunged like that and then instead of on the drop you get a big bass line you just get a toilet empty like whoosh, like that and it's this big have you relief. actually have you actually made any of this yeah. music yet we haven't no we we gathered some samples together and we never, we never put them into it. I've got a folder called UK Plunge. We were so into it. We were going to do it. They were like, oh, it's going to be amazing. We'll stick it out on the blogs. We'll put it out as a channel. People will start making it. It'll be this whole fake genre. Um, maybe it will be now. Make some UK Plunge. I'll put it on TikTok. Make some UK Plunge. Put it on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, it'll fly on there. The, the numbers are silly. Shall I make some now? Shall yeah, I make some on, UK then. Plunge? Go on then. And, then. and then some flatline. 
Yeah, right. Let's make some music on It'd be like, uh, how we do it? I did have this worry that, you, that you'd, you'd, you'd taken my microphone into your system and you were going to loop me at some point. It did if you want. No, please don't. <laughs> what was your one? Flatline? Yeah, go for it. Electronic so you, punk. Yeah, it just sort of, it sort of starts slow and then, then goes mental and then, and then goes back to a flatline. Starts slow and then goes mental. Like, you know, it kind of, you know, if, you th- if you're thinking like, if you're thinking like in a hospital when you're, when you've got a, a flat line of a, a heart monitor and it, and it, it kind of, pops up and then it goes flat again uh-huh. that a music <laughs> i'm not giving you much to go on um right so i fucking uh, but but it's but it's but it's punky yeah punky and it's ele- electronic in nature more like analog or more like digital we'll be talking like like game boy kind of micro funk kind of thing yeah let's do that sure <laughs> <laughs> let's make like, it up as we go <laughs> I'm enjoying, my, I'm enjoying my solo concert as well, by the way. Thanks. No one's ever going to hear this. You haven't got a podcast, have you? This is no. just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's nice to catch up. I'm, I'm just bored on a Monday night. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Is it Monday? It is yeah. Monday. Yeah. I thought it was fucking Tuesday. Yeah, you haven't got into the, you haven't got into the, uh, the fun of half terms yet. It's half term this week. Actually, yeah, of course it's Monday. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I like the uh, the weekdays because then my kids are at school. <laughs> not yeah. this week, not. No, it's getting it's getting easier actually to find the time to do the music. For two years, it's been difficult to find time to make any music. I don't know if you found that in the early days. You're having a child. Yes. Like, music has to take a back seat because it's just not as important as keeping this being alive. Yes. Happy. Yeah. yeah. I ours was all. Mine was always it's, it's just trying to like this this week for half term is it's it's. So tomorrow morning it's my day with with my daughter, 
and it means getting up at five o'clock to get all my work done before she arrives at eight o'clock in the morning and then spending all day with her till she goes home at six o'clock and then working from six till probably 11 to get all the work done that I missed during the day. God damn. That's half term. Half term fun. Half term fun. Um, so let's, let's, I, don't know how people, I honestly don't know how people do it. Like Scream's about to have another kid and he's got uh, loads of music that he's been sitting on for ages. Like 400 up. tracks or something stupid. Something mad like that. I'm so glad that he's making music again. I am as well. Because he's a genius. And to have been playing other people's records almost exclusively for ages is such a mad thing. But I suppose what he went through is nuts. His story is crazy. I know we're not necessarily here to talk about him. but And there's documentaries about him, you know. But, yes. But I've known him since day. But it's just, what a journey. To have invented a genre... Like even he tweeted that the other day. He's like, fuck, we invented a genre. Like, that's so sick. And to then have left it behind. So like, yeah, be right. the one that creates it and then move and then, away from it because it's kind of metamorphosed into something that you, you aren't comfortable want it to with. Be. Uh, Maybe that should be your next challenge, make a genre. Well, we just did. UK Plunge. That was it. And now I'm uh, bored of it. I'm moving on. And I left it to others. We left to UK Plunge and Flatline to other people. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Got oh, two. the flatline shed. That's what it's got to be. The flatline shed. And make a, a shed next to it. <clears throat> the UK plunge shed. And they're connected by a sewer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you can get to the UK. So, plunge. Shed. <laughs> 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 I'm going to be trying to be serious. Um, so, uh, <laughs> That's what the you, people want. Yeah, exactly. They want it. You need to be fucking serious. Don't mess about. This is a serious fucking interview. It is. <laughs> Don't fuck around, man. Um, I want the hard questions. You want the really hard? Uh, let, let's. Oh, right, let's just talk. Last, I think, is some hard questions. Let's talk about your new single, um, oh. because I'm sure your management and uh, all those what people want. Need to talk about if I did. Yeah, yeah they, I'm sure they would love it. Um, sure. I was told this one it took a year to to come to fruition. More, more ridiculous, really. Well, because like, so when when. The twins were born like two years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I was, we were having a house done up that we just bought and I was living at the in-laws. It was not a time in my life when I expected to be making anything worthwhile because it was more, it was, you know, I was like, I'm taking some time off to look after children just mm-hmm. for a little bit. But I was, you know, it was like 4 a.m. I'm like bleary eyed drinking as much coffee as I can with these two helpless infants like asleep like a couple of meters away <laughs> and i had been watching i'd been it was so tired you know i'm looking you know because they don't sleep they're inconsiderate beings they just you know they don't have empathy yet yeah they're, just, they're, they're like tadpoles so they um i was knackered and i was watching fear and loathing in las vegas on repeat like several times a night because <laughs> it was the only thing that i could understand in that state. Right. You know, I just I had to cling on to something. Very left Vegas. That was it. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is one of the more mental films ever. Yeah, that's it's it's like, quite weird. It's beautiful. It's about the 60s and everything that that meant, all seen through the genius of Hunter S. Thompson. You know, he was writing at the tail end of the hippie movement. Um, yeah, we could talk about Hunter S. Thompson, but like, he was always a hero to me. And um, I cried when he shot himself in the face in 2000 and 
five or six, whatever it was. But um, yeah, it was sad, man. But like, he was such a hero to so many people. Anyway, am I getting off topic? Maybe. But fucking, yes, yeah, so I was just, I was watching Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's my comfort movie. I know that yep. might sound strange, but it is. And um, and just kind of watching fucking all kinds of shit and listening to Joe Rogan podcast. And I was like, wasn't there a bit where Joe Rogan read out a, a list of Hunter S. Thompson's drug routine? And so I dug it out and I was like, why the fuck isn't this a tune? That is outrageous that this isn't a tune. So I was like, I think it would have to be with a bass line that's like, bom, bom, bom. so I was like, oh, fucking, I'll make it then. So I did. And it was kind of done. Um, and I was, it was going to be like a little novelty B-side or something. And I played it as my manager and he was like, that's the one! Because all the other music I'd been making was very kind of dour, I'm so tired from all the babies, uh, kind of music. And, um, <laughs> which I'm prone to do when I really get deep. It's very sad music. <laughs> and like, I've still got that. I may well release it. But I'd kind of decided not to. I've played it to people and they're like, shit, man, that's really powerful. And I'm like, I know, but you can't rave to that shit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fuck to that. It's not fuck music. <laughs> but then again, you know, Richard Clayderman made a lot of money. You can't fuck to Richard Clayderman. You could do, you could try it, but it'd be really boring missionary, kind of emotional, stare, intense staring in the eyes sex to Richard Clayderman. You'd have to have some candles burning. What was I talking about? <laughs> Something. Oh, the tune, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Sony, Sony got wind of it and they wanted to license it, so they did. And then they kind of sat on it for ages and then they were like, oh, um, we like your video idea, but we've got this guy who's like a massive video director and he's got this mad idea for a video. And I saw the treatment for it and I was like, you must be joking. Because if you've you seen the video. I have seen it. It's incredible. Yeah. It's pretty sick and it's disgusting and amazing and wrong. Yes, yeah, so, so right. We can do a little YouTube moment here. As this is going on YouTube, we uh, can link to the video in the, in the, in the card on the top corner there for, for people that can watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a wicked video. It actually just won best dance video at the... I heard, I heard. Congratulations. UK, UK VMAs. Congratulations. My second award there, actually. What was the first um, one for? The first one was I won best dance newcomer in 2015 for a video that I sort of co-directed and produced, co-produced called, I did it with Lewis Rose, big shout, Lewis Rose, um, uh, called, uh, it was a track I did called Mountainside, which was very kind of wistful, kind of, you know, uh, you know, unrequited love kind of song, or at least the video ended up being that. Right. It was kind of, yeah, the video to that was like a couple meet for the first time on a dance floor they're mashed and um they go outside and as they're ch they're like kissing for ages and then they get they get chatting and you know this little pilled up romance is going really well and then um she mishears something he says and it all gets a bit weird and they start getting para and then <laughs> and then like she leaves um or he leaves or some shit like that or he thinks she goes, I'm going to the toilet, and then he can't find her. I don't want to ruin the, the music video, but essentially, yeah, it's pretty deep. And it's a bit like the first 10 minutes of Up, but for, yes. mash, for mashups. So if you can get through it without crying, then um, <laughs> good for you. But like, yeah, so that was that. Um, okay. So that was about drugs. <laughs> and this one is definitely also squarely about drugs. Um, it's weird though, because I haven't done drugs in a long time. 
Long time. Good. Um, exactly. Good. Your <laughs> your, fo- fo- your focus focus is a, a lot better when you don't. Exactly. Drugs are bad. Um, yeah, they really are. They're lots of fun. Yeah, I, I had a great. I, I, I had <laughs> a gr- bad. I had a great time. I had a great time whilst I was doing it. I've given up now, so um. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, they're awfully Moorish. I'm not bothered anymore. Yeah. No, it's got, it took me having kids to realise that I was a complete I'm, I'm, I'm addict. Past, I'm past that now. I was like completely addicted to weed. I didn't realise. Yeah. Until I stopped doing it for long enough that it had like psychologically the crutches had kind of left my system. And I was like, oh, I was a fucking absolute addict. Yeah, I, I had that with smoking. and I, in, fact, I, in fact, I gave up smoking and then a week later I saw him scream and he was smoking right in my face. And then that was when I realised that I didn't, what didn't bother me and I didn't want it anymore and it was great. And it was actually, I was like, I was, I, I'm so thankful for him for doing that because <laughs> I, I realised that I didn't really want it anymore and it was great and I, I was through that now. That's cool. Yeah, it's mad when you <clears throat> get to that point when yeah. you, sort of, you realise that you were chemically and psychologically dependent on something which was just a substance. Yeah. And that actually, like, yeah, because I, I stopped smoking like 15 years ago or something. And um, the, the thing that made me stop was it was ruining my voice and I wanted to be able to still sing. And it was expensive. Yeah, and it's it, really more expensive now. Yeah. But it wasn't just that it was expensive and I was brassic. It was the, who the money was going to, you mm. know, because I was like a sort of, you know, righteous little socialist student. And I was like, ugh these giant companies and then I was like oh fuck they've got me completely hooked do you have to warm yeah. up your voice um yeah particularly these days well actually no always yeah always yeah and do you have to do stuff to protect your voice as well like do you, do you... yeah but I don't well no, yeah not smoking is a, a huge help um but I need to stop like having whiskey ever because that's really dries out your throat are you a big honey like... a big honey and lemon drinker yeah right if you have like just have hot toddies that's good yeah yeah i have i have one i I was like it was like honey lemon ginger and a little a a slice of chili and that's the tits yeah that's good that's a good one i had that in russia actually just one little slice of chili and it was just like a little bit of sharpness it was nice man yeah a bit of a kick yeah, I swear that must. Have, yeah, I swear that has medicinal properties or something. Yeah, I was in Russia in fucking was it two thousand and god knows, but like these people, <laughs> god knows. two thousand and uh, and these these people had booked me <laughs> to play to play at this thing. It was like a corporate launch of like a car or something, and um, yeah, I, I was I was in this. There were like dancing girls who were wearing just belts, and that was weird. And they were on podiums, and then there was me, and that was weird. And then there was a car spinning around. None of it made any sense. Russia's just strange. And then um, and then they took me out to see, like, they were like, so you're here for an extra day. Why don't you come and see this thing in this cinema? And I, was, I realized I was getting the flu and I was feverish. And I was like, oh, I feel really bad. So like, it's okay. Just have some, like, this, like, horrible Russian dish that was, like, like gross meat and, like, you know, ravioli kind of pastry pockets with like mayonnaise which is disgusting i was like oh this is all wrong and then they like gave me this tea which was like you know the chili and the lemon and the honey and that yeah, was, yeah. Oh, i feel i think i feel a bit better and they were like we'll come and see this film so we went to this cinema and bjork at that point was going out with this guy called matthew barney um and he was a filmmaker and he'd made this art film which you had to go to the cinema to see you couldn't buy it you had to, it was like an event you had to go see it so it was this thing where him and bjork played these two people on either side of a Japanese whaling vessel 
And um, at first it was on these beautiful balmy seas and they were farming, so scooping up these huge blocks of whale blubber, which I don't think is a thing. I think they just made it up for the... For the <laughs> and they were like slicing through very slowly, artfully slicing through these enormous blocts of whale blubber. And I was like, oh God, I can't handle That sounds it. awful. And then like with a fever in the cinema going, why am I here? Why is this happening? And then, and then there's a storm. And suddenly the fucking seas are tossing and the boat is like, heaving. And like they start dressing Bjork in octopi and squid and putting like layers of clothing over the, the sea animals and like wrapping the sea animals to what her. What the fuck? And then piling more layers of octopi and squid and fish and stuff onto her and then putting her in Japanese garb. And then she's like forced to walk really slowly in something that resembles a Japanese tea ceremony, but not quite through these like tiny like holes in walls so it's kind of inspired by like the the brutality and the delicacy of of japanese culture you know it's kind yeah. of, it, you know uh anyway i've i've like then they there's a storm and i'll spoil it for anyone watching because like you're never going to see this shit <laughs> you're never going to see it um uh but yeah they the, the there's a storm and then they 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 get to the middle of the boat and they meet and, and the water is coming up to their, their necks. <clears throat> and then they're given knives. And as the water comes like above their, their heads and you think they're about to drown, they start slicing chunks off each other's fucking legs and eating each other, covered in like crustaceans and octopus and shit. And the storm is still raging and the whale blubber's moving around. And I felt fucking horrible <laughs> with the temperature. I was like, oh, this isn't happening. Anyway, I was a vegetarian for about three months after seeing this movie because that I has bet. such a weirdly effect on my gut. I was like, Ugh, Ugh. Um, what was the question? <laughs> I don't know. Somehow we were talking about your new single when we got to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There you go. That's the story. <laughs> One thing I was going to ask is, uh, obviously you've, you've used Joe, you've Joe, you've used Joe Rogan's... Uh, does he know about the, the single, Joe Rogan? Yeah. Well, we asked his permission and we said, can we put you as a feature? He's like, yeah, sure. So now it says featuring Joe Rogan, although he had very little to do with it. But you know, he gets like a share of the, of the monies raised from the... 0.001p per Spotify stream. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah, he's cool with it. He's mentioned it on his podcast a couple of times, actually. Oh, that's which great. Which is good because he's got enormous reach. And he tweeted and um, Instagrammed the, the video. I did like three videos for it. It was a weird process. I think it, there's like the, the first one was a lyric video, which I guess is yeah. standard. You put, you put out a single first as a lyric video or whatever. Yeah. Lyric. But, um, you know, the guys that they found to do it, Sony, were, um, it was a bit kind of eye bleed, you know, me and my manager thought. So we wanted to tone it down a lot so that we ended up delaying the release of the lyric video to get that right. Yeah. Um, do you have a lot of creative control in it then? I think with a major label, you can have as much creative control as you're able to wrangle. Okay. Because there's a lot of people involved. All of their jobs are on the line. Mm-hmm. They all want to be seen to be adding value to the product. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting process actually for me. I've never been, never had any involvement with major labels ever. Is it, oh, it's your first one. Okay, cool. I've released on um, small independent 
Because what your albums come out on? Your albums come out on. Let me look. Um, fuck! I need to try and remember now. I'm gonna look. I've got discover. I've yeah. got. I've got something. That's bad, there. but like literally, when you once you say the name of, because the last album that I released was 2015. 2014 distractions. Distractions, which was with. I remember. I'm looking, it up. I'm looking it up. We can we can edit. Yeah, please do. That's shocking. We can uh, we can look we can uh, we can edit. Um, Bandcamp. Can I beat you? Can I remember? Just play <laughs> race. Um. I can't actually find it. Who the fuck did I release it with? It'll all come flooding back in three minutes. We'll just, we'll just, we won't. Uh, no, hang on. I've got to answer that question. Just, um, release on 3rd of November 2014. Only a cheerful. That's not right. Tummy touch. Tummy okay. touch. There you go. Yeah. So I've released on small independent labels before. I released on Tummy Touch in 2014 with my album Distractions. And then before that in 2011 <laughs> with Sunday Best. That's um, right. Which are both small, well-intentioned, passionate, in it for the music entities. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sony is this hulking behemoth that... Um, pumps out hits and have you got other singles with it or is it just this this one uh no i'm possibly going to self-release the rest of it that's what's okay. so weird is that like i guess sony kind of smelled blood with this single they were like we like it it's uh it's got the makings of a hit and so yeah. they you know they were willing to put in which is music to my ears because like yeah fine <laughs> yeah i like it so um it's strange, yeah. even though because it, it must not have like we were saying to you, Adam, no radio play whatsoever because of the nature of it. Yeah, I know. And you know what? That was another thing is I've spent weeks and weeks at the request of Sony trying to hammer it into a radio playable version. Mm-hmm. And I did it, but no one's going to play that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it's just not you know the only way to do it i think would be to get like a rapper on it or something or or to completely rewrite the tune or get like you know as norman cook did for the eat sleep rave repeat track that we mm. did um get calvin harris to smash it yes like that what was that 2013 i think so calvin harris took uh, a skit track that norman cook had made with me chatting shit over the top um and that ended up becoming huge and it was because calvin harris took it and turned it into a radioable hit but before that it was just like a sort of ploddy funky cheeky dance floor mm. head nodder um in fact, I think it was it was even just me I think it was just me chatting over an existing techno tune or something like that and it was he, he did it for like the front cover of the of a mix CD um, as I didn't track. realize Calvin Harris had turned it into that beast it was yeah, that was Calvin Harris but wow. um yeah I think Reva star was involved as well so it was like he was that's right Reva star um Norman Cook and then Calvin Harris was the one that you know it, I think it took him like 
two hours or something. It's insane. <laughs> he's just, he's a bit of a genius. Calvin. Yes. He's just one of those people who's able to kind of perfectly envision what will be a hit because it's radio playable and it's, you know, every, everything he makes is designed, it seems. Like, there was a time when he started when he was doing really interesting, quirky music and he was always singing on it and he was going to be that guy who was singing and he was interesting and he was a yeah there was there was the there was the calvin harris the band wasn't there which, which was yeah. uh, acceptable in the 80s and all those kind of tracks exactly and that was really interesting kooky music and then it, there was there came a point where he just kind of went i don't want to do that anymore i'm gonna make bangers i'm gonna make bangers and he did exactly that i remember i remember I, I remember i remember watching the chemical brothers in, in trafalgar square and he was and the, his band were the warm-up act and uh, he jumped in the, in one of the fountains at the end of his warm-up show. And uh, the chemical rollers had lasers going off of Nelson's column, which was, quite frankly, the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Wicked. Um, yeah, that's my... They're incredible. Guess. I beat them in the UK VMAs. Ridiculous. <coughs> Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, you got to check out... Yeah, check out the video if you haven't already. We'll link it in the thing above. Yeah. It, it, but it, it, it is, it's absurd. That, like, if they wanted... <coughs> I don't know how much I should say. Maybe I should say it all. Maybe this is a tell-all gotcha interview. <laughs> no, um, initially they wanted me to put, Sony that is, wanted me to put the video on Pornhub for its premiere. I heard this earlier as well. And I was like, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like Pornhub as much as the next person. But um, I think there's a reason it exists. I think we can yes. agree that. And it's not for music. It has a purpose and it's not, not for, it's not for when, you, when you log on to Pornhub, it isn't because you're like, I'm going to watch a music video. Yeah, no. yeah, you're, you're <laughs> and just, it would really annoy you. It just pissed people off. It would make people very angry. And I don't wish to do that. And also they said that I'd have to have my own Pornhub channel to put it up. Like, no, no, no. No. That's, <laughs> that's not my calling. Yes, no. <laughs> stay, stay in your lane. As we just, yeah. as we know, your, know thyself. Yeah, there's no less level staying in your own lane. <laughs> but I mean, but they were like, oh, but it's got such big reach. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so but, so YouTube. <laughs> yeah, well, it's more like, yeah, I know it's got big reach, but that's like saying, you know, let's drop loads of CDs over like a Tory party conference. It's not the right audience. <laughs> it's not the... Then it, maybe it is, though, actually. Uh, wasn't there a period where like all the Tory... Um, Prime Ministerial hopefuls were all bragging about how much drugs they'd done. It became like a, like a dick waving competition. I don't know. I don't. I don't touch politics at all. No. Well, that did. That did happen. Everyone was bragging about how, that, uh, that they did coke. It was this weird kind of like, one-upmanship. I try to, stay to be relatable. But we can move on. What um what uh this podcast is a, is a, is aimed it's at, apolitical. Aimed, it's aimed aimed at uh, helping the next generation. So uh, let's just let's just ask your biggest tips for uh, aspiring producers. Don't do it. Get a proper job. No, I don't know. Fucking um... or aspiring beatboxers, I guess as well. Jesus, it's one of those things where if you sat me down and asked me specific questions, I've just been playing with my gum. It's disgusting. <laughs> Forgot that, like you can totally see. Me. I don't know. If, if you ask me specific questions, I'll tell you the answers. But like, 
I, I don't know. My experience in the music industry thus far has been slapdash. Like, I kind of tried to veer, you know, carve my own path, yeah. as it were. And, and I keep finding that the things that I do that find any kind of success are either things which have taken me two seconds to do and I've thought nothing of them and then I'm really surprised, which is a common story, I think, for most mm -hmm. producers where they slave on their big like art project and then they do one thing for a joke and that is the thing that grips and sticks and yeah. that ends up defining them and then they have to try and escape that. But yeah, so I'm not unique in that respect, but like <laughs> I've, I've done things which I, I would consider like more artistically worthy which um, perhaps are not either not my best work or they don't have the mass appeal of some of the things that I've done. Or, mm -hmm. But I, maybe that's a bit too sort of, you know, high flown and hypothetical. I mean, I don't know, like, it's like anything, really. Work, work hard and keep questioning yourself and thinking whether or not you're necessarily doing the right thing for you or for a career. It's hard to give advice, though, with the music industry because... It's an industry which is built on on nothing, really, nothing tangible. Like, you know, it's a bit meta, but <clears throat> you know, for the last hundred years, there's been a music industry because there was physical product, physical media, on mm. which music was contained. But that doesn't exist now. But you still have the corporate structures there, the infrastructure for collecting revenue mm -hmm. from. Um, radio play and Spotify streams and all these kind of things. And we're at a point where the internet went from being a lawless no man's land to, um, to being very strictly controlled. And that sounds a bit tinfoil hat, but it, it was the case in the early days of the internet that there was Kazar LimeWire, you remember the shit. Napster. You know, where pe <laughs> Napster. So people were downloading stuff illegally. Yeah. That became the means of exchanging music for everyone. And everyone was burning their own CDs. The record industry as was. I remember that time. Which was at its peak when CDs were, were selling for nearly 20 quid for a single CD because they could. Um, that market just bottomed out because of pirating. Um, there were kids having examples made of them by record companies at the behest of people like Metallica. It was a weird time Yeah, when um, nobody really, really had any idea where it was going to go apart from David fucking Bowie. David Bowie. <laughs> David Bowie in an interview in 1999 with I think Jeremy Paxman was saying like, oh yes, well, you know, yeah. no, the, the internet, the internet will change everything. The internet's going to be, it's going to be, you can't even imagine what it's going to be. The internet's going to, and Jeremy, Jeremy Paxman was like, well, wouldn't you say it's just, a, it's just a medium, isn't it? It's just another way of, way of talking. It's just, just a message board. He's like, no, no, no. And he's like, would you have said that to Caxon about the printing press? You know, he's like, the internet's going to unleash creativity in a way that no one's ever seen or can even imagine, good and bad. And he was so right. Mm. David Bowie, motherfucker. Understood. He was like, your music will be a tap that you turn on and off. And that's what you have now with streaming. So I don't know how anyone can make money in the music industry without live touring because then you're physically borrowing people from entering a physical space until they pay for entry into that space. That's a way selling merch, <clears throat> you know. But Radio Play 
streaming, an amount, but it has streaming, to be a... Streaming's pretty decent. And... No, it is not. No, it's not. If you're Taylor Swift, or you're the Foo Fighters, or you're Frank Sinatra's estate, or you own the Beatles catalog, or you're one of the major labels, streaming's a great source of revenue. Mm. But if you're a smaller band, or you're a producer, and you've got a couple of percentage points on a big hit, it's not much. Like you, if you um, if you have a global smash, you can see some money from it, but it's not life changing like it used to be. Like it used to be that if you had a global number one, you were set up for life. But <laughs> in the age of streaming, if you have a global number one, you'll eat well for a year. It's like it's not a bad thing. No, I mean, it's, look, that's fine. You know, you can, I used it's to ha- think... It's a happy place. Yeah. If I, if I could eat I mean, well yeah, for you a could, year, you that, could... if I could eat well for a year, I'd be very happy. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, making music, you're not exactly at, at a coal face. You're not be like, oh, I should be rich because I made something that resonated with people for a second. You you're know? not down the mine either. Exactly. So maybe it's fine. But it also means that music has become more democratized which is good and there is more music than ever which is good and mm-hmm. because of music tech being what it is everyone can make music you don't even need to have that much training at all or any really to, to to make music and you don't have to have any resources behind you to distribute it and to find fame none of those things require money but at the same time none of those things earn you money either so music is becoming something where I suppose, as it always was, those who are really garnering a lot of attention and favor get the dollar, and those who are kind of middling don't quite break through. But the structure of that's changed, where the money isn't there at all for those at the bottom, unless you are really hustling. So yeah, so you can really hustle. You can fucking... You can make a decent living from selling beats, from doing your own online courses for people through youtube ads through Bandcamp, through merch through small-scale touring like it's not impossible yeah it's just adding, adding, adding them all up it's hard but then again it, it always was hard so in the past the only way, way to really get unless you wanted to do it really punk and diy uh the only way to really do it was to play the game of the labels which was they are basically funding you and trying to mold you into something which you may or may not be um and then they will drop you if your albums don't sell something that equals the investment that they put into you which was most people nice um do you uh, which is still the case but nowhere near as much like the the labels now don't they don't shell out money like they used to which is why it was so unprecedented that they put so much money into this music video for my single because for me it was like a fun skip track and they were like now we want to like Make it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. I'm, it's just serendipity, as far as I see it. I can never quite like. I listened to the radio today. I, I put on Radio One, and I was like, I don't understand this as music goes. And I put on like Heart, and I was like, What the fuck is this? And I just anytime I flick through the radio, I'm just like, It's adverts, and then the music sounds like adverts too, and I can't get my head around it. Like, so I don't understand the mainstream. I never really have, or at least. I can't believe you. I can't believe you just did a radio knob without doing a, some sort of radio noise with it. That's all I know. Well, they don't make that noise anymore. They just go searching, searching, searching. Yeah. Is 
it more accurately. Like. Yeah, spring modulation. Do you, uh, do you fancy? Uh, oh yeah! So I, I've got some lightning round questions. Sorry, did that help? Was that? Do you think yes, that's that very helpful. helpful yes, that's yeah. very helpful. I've, I've got some, I've got some fun lightning round questions. Yeah. Do we have a lightning round intro? We could we can we can. Uh... I'll do you one. Is that a buzzer? Is that good? <laughs> if I get it right, if I get it wrong, is that? If I get it right. We need a lightning lightning round. Can, okay. you do a, can you do a lightning lightning round? Okay. Lightning round. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ready? I'm ready. Which button do you prefer to press the most? What is your personal record for playing the same record over and over again cons- consecutively? Like if you're listening to, to if you're listening to, to your headphones. To others or to myself? To yourself. If you if you know that like I've I've been listening to one album today and I've played the same record over about four probably about six times just because I quite like the new song of this certain uh, thing. I've been I that is all I do. Like <laughs> I get like I get obsessed with one artist or one song or one album until I can't listen to it anymore. And at the moment, my current obsession is Caroline Polachek, who is being produced by Danielle Hall from the PC Music crew. Oh, cool. Who also works with Sophie and yeah, uh, I like that crew. Yeah, and all those people. Yeah, they're mental. I like that crew. The real absolute jokers. Um, and uh, she used to front a band called Chairlift doing kind of quirky, interesting indie, which ended up sounding more poppy and trappy over the years. And now she's done this thing, which is, but she's a genius songwriter, an unbelievable vocalist. Um, and I've just started researching her being like, Where, who, who are you? Where did you come from? Why didn't nice. I know about you? Why are you not absolutely massive? I hope she will be. She deserves to be. She's incredible. Um, who is your favorite? So yeah, I've been listening. There's one song of hers, which is um Oh geez, now I can only think of one of the chairlift songs. It's um oh yeah, So Hot You're Hurting My Feelings is what it's called. We'll link it. It is yeah, it's like it's just the perfect pop song. It's one of those that's just yeah, it's pop, but it's perfect. It's kind of it blends like yacht rock with um like <laughs> elements of like eighties fleet with Mac and um what the hell does yacht rock sound like? Oh, you know, like fucking um Oh Jesus, what are they called? Uh oh could you, uh my brain's gone blank. Um Don't worry. No. Like Steely Dan and Oh, fucking, okay, 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 okay. Um uh, uh Hall of Notes. Right. Those guys. It's like right, okay. but on a, like sort of early eighties yacht rock and kind of you right, know like okay, okay. cocaine fueled kind of, you know. Bliss, blissed out kind of smooth jazz vibes but like right, done with a kind of white soul kind of but it's that's not what she's done but it's got it's got elements of that just like the stuff that was good about cheesy 80s 
sort of dream pop. But it's genius. I don't know if she she probably wouldn't like that comparison. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? It's phenomenal. <laughs> I've got that on repeat. Yeah. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Whatever mad bullshit Ben and Jerry's has brought out in the last month. <laughs> they keep um, being like, we've crammed even more chocolate and dough into this tub. Okay. Eat it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Finish finish this sentence. Yeah. When I dance, I look like a bad man. <laughs> Do you know what? I was listening to some fucking techno thing that I had on repeat. I can't even remember what it was now, but it was just like some tune I was obsessed with. And like I was like tidying up after everyone had gone to bed and just fucking having it in my kitchen, doing like terrible body popping which I can't do, but I'm just having it. And anyway, I noticed that, like, I forgot that the back of my kitchen is all glass. So, like, the people across can fucking... There was, <laughs> I saw, like, a camera flash, and I was like, yo, <laughs> what? And then I, I realized that they'd been, like, taking a video because this, like, light was bobbing around, and then I saw these two silhouettes duck, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> somewhere on I'm somewhere, about to be a meme. Somewhere <laughs> on social media, it's just you dancing around in your living room. Just me dancing like an absolute dickhead. But like, yeah, I didn't catch it on Reddit or anything, so I think I survived. Oh, but then like, I, I fucking, I, I hid behind a pillar. <laughs> it was like, like, <laughs> um, like, if you're on the dance floor or something and you're surrounded by like friends and, and drunk people and shit, you know, you're dancing like a dickhead. Everyone's dancing like a dickhead, it's fine. But if you're a single human dancing, wigging out like in a kitchen, you might look a bit silly. But um. I don't know. Maybe they've just kept it on their phone for their own amusement. They're showing people down the pub. No. Look at that guy across the road. But then I was like, I ended up being like, fuck it. Fuck him. I like dancing like a dickhead. I'm going to come out <laughs> behind the pillar. Just carried on. I was even like, you know, gun fingers like that to them. Like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Uh, if you get a yacht... What would you call it? Yachty McYacht phase. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you're quite nerdy, I've got the ultimate nerd question for you. Uh-huh. Ready for this? Uh-huh. If a head and a half could lay an egg and a half in a day and a half, how long would it take a monkey with a wooden leg to kick all the seeds out of a pickled gherkin? Fuck you, man. Fuck you for asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking stupid. Sort it out, mate. <laughs> You're a fucking okay. nut. Okay. <laughs> if you had the power to abolish one musical genre, which one would it be? I've stuck him. I think the only genre that I... Hmm, it's not really a genre. The, the, the late 90s pop industry that was a hit-making sausage factory was so abhorrent to me at the time because I was into drum and bass and Radiohead and 
and and I was getting into metal and going back to like the fucking you know the Smiths and reggae and Pink Floyd and fucking learning about I was well into like early hardcore and that was the journey I was on then and the pop industry as was seemed to me to be just a perversion of everything that was good and true so I think the Backstreet Boys if you could call that a genre like you know the stuff that but even then you've got like fucking you know Toxic by Britney Spears is it's not like a jam but it's it's a good pop song. Then again, I could live. Oh, without I don't know. It. There was, there I was could that, live without it. There was the Armin van Helden remix of that, and that was quite good. Was it? I don't think yeah. I ever heard that. That was pretty good. Like that. There. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only genre that I think should be committed to the flames. Like, because because you don't really get music like that anymore. Like, if if there's pop, it's these days. It's just something that happens to be, sort of like pop now, is this kind of very spacious trap influenced tropical mm. affair which is like expertly produced and very shiny and clean but there's always something interesting about it it, it tends not to be annoying um but the vibe in the late 90s it had to be as annoying as possible <laughs> like, i think that's the genre because every other genre i think i can sort of take on its own merits or kind of imagine the time that it was happening in and you know it was a flex then and it's an interesting piece of history like cultural history mm. but i don't feel like the late 90s pop sausage factory was i don't feel like it was harnessing anything that was a vibe you know like the kind like skater punk pop yeah. like you know what was umbop really saying about youth culture at the time you know what i mean it was that really was that a vibe was that a mood was umbop a mood it wasn't really like you know, was Avril Lavigne like a spokesman for her generation? What, it, was no, it, was no, it was no plunger. It wasn't UK plunge. Was <laughs> Avril Lavigne never made any UK plunge, man. That's where she fell down. Yes, that's it. She, did, she, she lost all credibility when she didn't make UK plunge. I'll tell you what, like, I loved at the time a lot, but I now am amazed that I was so into it. And it says a lot about how sort of like angsty and depressed I think I must have been as a teenager. It was like, I was into bands like Stained and things like that. These kind of like, what do you even call that? I suppose new metal. There was nothing metal about it. Um, scary music. Huh? Scary, angry music. No, it wasn't scary, angry. It was like whiny. It was like, <laughs> it was like oh. the, the, the vibe of Radiohead and the instrumentation of, of, of fucking, uh, down or sepultura but with none of the anger or sort of you know political commentary or anything i don't know there's there's there was a lot of kind of nothing e music in the late 90s yes. a lot a lot of stuff that was kind of cookie cutter and every genre had it so you had like pop that meant nothing you had rock that meant nothing metal that meant nothing and then you had loads of really cool stuff that had come from a place of like pain or joy or exaltation, like like underground dance music. I I found I found electronic music in the, in the late nineties, so that was kind of I was fully in that mode then, yeah. and nothing else mattered. It was the cure to like, the, the, although the Cure are also an amazing band, but like yeah, yeah. it was it, it was it was the antidote. Yes, underground dance music was the antidote because it, 
it's interesting to me now to think about that because like that doesn't exist anymore. There is no underground now. What the fuck is the underground? Oh, there is. There's still quite a bit. But what is it? I mean, like these days, because of the internet, if something is underground, it just means that like it hasn't got super well known yet. But there's no like sharp dividing line between culture. Oh no! Oh, there definitely is. You know what I mean? There's definitely underground, and there's definitely because because some of my friends don't will only listen to stuff that's on the radio and they'll only listen to certain things and they'll only, uh, they'll only listen to certain artists. And, I've cut uh, all those people out. I've... Right. So, so you, <laughs> when you have, I have a balance. I have the, I have, like, so they, there's, I'll tape artists to them and they'll have no idea who they are. So therefore they're the underground because they don't know, because they, they're just not, they're just not, they're still huge artists, but they just don't know who they are because they're not, they're not commercially viable enough. Well, let me be clearer. It used to be very difficult unless you were in a scene where you knew people and hung out with people who went to the specific record shops and read the specific magazines and went to the specific nights to hear about what was going on in the scene. These days, you can be a scenester by proxy just by going on a forum. Like, that's it's the access to by, it. By Instagram. Yeah. Like, back in the... Back in the 90s, mate, when they... Fucking, you know, it was there were style tribes and dance music tribes and stuff, and they would they hated each other. Like garage and drum and bass people, they didn't hate each other, but it was like they were very incongruous vibes. You know, like garage was like you dress up, you go out, you look good. Um, it wasn't like a druggy thing at all, but like drum and bass, it was dirty and gully and and rotten and and. Mm. Those were my people. Those are always my people, is the people who were like... And the music was influenced by jazz and, like, twisted sound design and fucking horror movie tropes and shit. And, like... Yeah. That shit still exists with fucking, like, Excision's crew. You know, all that stuff. The crazy... Like, I don't even know what you call it. But it bears more of a resemblance to metal than it does to techno in terms of the mm. vibe. But, like... So there's still underground stuff happening where there's an insular scene where you get heroes in the scene yeah. and but you can access the shit. Like I only know I don't know about that because I've ever been to Lost Lands. I know about that because like I'm on the internet and I'm watching it from afar and I'm downloading all the music and I'm interacting with the people that are going to these things and I'm like engaged in these like meaningless parasocial relationships with people on Twitter where I'm like, you know, I'm fucking stalking people just because, <laughs> you know, some like random rave bunny is a scenester and I'm witnessing the scene as they see it through their eyes, which for me is enriching because it's weird. You get to wear their eyes as a mask and walk around a rave. It's a twisted sort of Charlie Brooker, like metaphysical reality that we can sound like Russell Brand now. This paradigm that we all live in today is <laughs> metaphysical reality. You don't even realize, but it's, but it is like that. Yeah. Like, that's mental. Like, it used to be that if you wanted to get in on a scene, you had to really want to. You had to fucking go to the country where the music's big, which might be a town where the music's big. You had to go to a record shop. You had to hang around in the places with the people to get into that scene. And it was secret. It was walled off. Now, you still have the tribes, but anyone can come and go as they please. So you get, yeah. you know, this sort of permeable 
musical borders where have you been into, have you been into, into everything have you been into the uh have you been to croatia and, and listen to the, some of the turbo funk in croatia i've heard turbo funk that shit's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very like you go into little part pockets of croatia and it's like oh turbo funk's big here like, whoa okay it's kind of a gypsy thing i think it's like yeah it's fun it's like super fun i really like the original like um i i've got like a collection of kind of romanian folk music which that shit i've listened to on repeat sometimes because it's so bafflingly energetic it's like high energy romanian folk music where it's kind of whistling and clapping and cheering and singing and just joy and really can you do it wholesome kind of you know folk music but there's a place for that you know why not yeah why not? <laughs> yeah wow we're uh we're bloody hell we're for ages um we're at an hour okay cool oh there you go we ended yeah. on romanian folk music there you go good place to would you like would you uh, like to would you like to do an exiting outro uh musical uh sure Right. right. Not sure what to do.
Hooray. Hooray. Thank you so much, Billy Man. Uh, hey, thanks for having me. On Thank you so much for joining me today. That's been so much fun.